Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of the Everything Horror Podcast. My name is Paul Doski, and with us is, well, he's a new name to all of us, and, well, hopefully as time goes on, it will be a name like R.L. Stein, but because of the fact that his love of Goosebumps and all sorts of other ghoulish child stories that used to keep us up all night and head for the hills and covers and everything else, uh, anyway... Let's introduce you to R.H. Grimley. Welcome to the thank show. You. Yeah, thank you so much. Glad to glad to join you. Hey, no problem. Um, so, you know, as everybody who comes on here, can you give us a brief uh, description of um, of who you are? Uh, sure. Let's see. So, my name is Rob Grimley. I am a big fan of. Horror, but when I say horror, I mean like fourth grade horror. <laughs> I love like gremlins and that kind of thing. I think it's super fun. I love to get spooked out. Um, and yeah, just when I was young, I wasn't a huge, like it was really hard to get me to read. I didn't like doing it at all. Um, and then a little series called Goosebumps came out back in the 90s. And that, like, you know, I saw the covers. I was like, oh my gosh, that looks so cool. And from that point on, I was kind of hooked on reading, and that led me to all sorts of other, you know, bigger books after that. But it's it kind of all stems from Goosebumps. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I've, I've been wanting to write a book for a while, and I just got this bug to write some kids' books. And I thought that would be super fun to do. Uh, pitched that into a publisher. He got on board with it. And, uh, yeah, we just went with that and started the Frightland series, which is uh, kind of a homage to Goosebumps. But... Uh, definitely its own thing. Um, and just, I don't know, just a lot of fun, just a lot of fun to do. No, I, I, I agree. Like, um, uh, just to put it on the record that we were talking before this was recorded, you were mentioning Kickstarter. So you guys put it on Kickstarter and at the time it was to fund the first four books, which you succeeded. And then it looked like you went over to Indiegogo to, um, fund a little bit more with something I forget what, but um, I, I don't have the page up right now. But uh, anyway, I mean, you have some very interesting like cover artists and illustration artists that help even put in that. And normally with a child book, unless you're reading like scary stories to tell in the dark, you get the nice creepy illustration that want to make the reader or the kids stay up late. So um, with that, I guess to start this off is with the illustrations, uh, was that always like uh, like a key point you wanted to add to your stories or would that kind of add it in after you have already written? Um, that was part of the, of the, the Kickstarter um, when come with, when brainstorming with the publisher, trying to figure out different add-ons and stuff we could do. Um, I just thought, you know, it'd be super cool to get at least a couple of illustrations in the books kind of in that, you know, scary stories to tell in the dark style. Um, Cause I just, I just think it's fun just to put like, I don't know. I think it, it's just like a little, little fun treat when you're going through and suddenly there's like a really cool, creepy looking picture in the middle of your story to kind of bring it to life a little bit, especially for kids, you know? Um, yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of how, how that came about. We had to look through lots of deviant art um, pages to find illustrators we thought would be a good match and yeah, uh, David Romero came up and he's awesome. He does some really creepy stuff and it was fun to see him do his style, but with, you know, kid related things. 
um, you know, kid appropriate things. <laughs> and then uh, another, another friend of mine named uh, Daniel Brown did some of our other illustrations and he does fun uh, ink pictures. And um, he was also uh, one of the illustrators we had on there and did some really cool stuff for us. Get into the uh, idea of like um, your story. So the first man, the first one you got is the Wild Man of uh, Sh uh, Shaggy Creek, which is about um, this creature in the woods. Which I don't think I'm saying too much when I say Bigfoot or Sasquatch. So no, right on the cover. So <laughs> yeah, it's right on the cover. And um, so I got actually this is like a two part question, I guess. So the first part is, do you do you yourself, Rob? uh actually believe in like the cryptids out there and is that what sort of inspired you to write like uh like a bigfoot story oh of course i believe in sasquatch <laughs> to quote a line from the book um no i i i grew up ever since i was a kid like i go to the library and check out like all the books that were on cryptids and UFOs and all that sort of thing. I, I, I don't know why I was just super into that kind of thing. Um, you know, that was like, I was probably in third grade when X-Files was, you know, becoming a big show. And so like, it, it's just been kind of part of my life. And I don't, I don't know if I, if I really believe in most of the cryptids, but I'd like to believe, you know, I, I'd like to, like, uh, for instance, back in, uh, a couple of years back, we went to Scotland on a vacation and, you know, we had to go to Loch Ness because, you know, you just got to go to Loch Ness. And I was seeing Nessie everywhere. Like every time a wave would come up, I'd be like, oh my gosh, there she is. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it's fun. It's just fun to, fun to somewhere between pretending and belief, I guess. <laughs> Hey, you never know, right? I mean, it could very could well be out there. I mean, that's why we got all these hundreds and thousands of reports every every year and every month or every day, depending on how you want to look at it, too. So, and um, no, it's just, it's just interesting because, like, um, I think as you saw my recent email, not to like like uh, drift off for a minute, but um, I was saying I was working on another uh, interview for my other site that I do. And uh, the guy that I was actually uh, uh, doing the written interview with did not really believe in the paranormal, but he uh, talked about it. So uh -huh. he liked to collect the stories. So it's always interesting to hear people's opinions on like the paranormal, Sasquatch, cryptids in general. So I always find it interesting and entertaining sometimes. Um, yeah, I like, but, I like to keep I like to keep an open mind about those sort of things. And that's the way it should be. That's the way I look at it anyway. It's always good to be like open to mind. Like I'll tell you a quick story. Like um back when I used to do traffic control, I swear on my life that I um seen a UFO in the clear blue sky because I just saw like this little dinky dark object that it was just uh floating in the sky, wasn't even moving at all until I pointed at it to my partner because I was like, You see that over there? And um he looked at it and that's when it started to move i'm like um i don't i don't know what that was but yeah it was weird it was weird to touch on like um the story not to like really get into like spoiler territory but um i just want to see your reaction of when i say this but it almost feels like between two of your books i've noticed which is the wild man of shaggy creek and the bones at the bottom of the lake 
were those supposed to have like a um, subliminal message in a way? Like with Wild Man of Shaggy Creek, it almost felt like you had the message of if you see like this baby animal, you want to stay away from it, you know, because you want to be careful because the other your, the mom or dad might be around. That's a good. That's a good question. I don't. I didn't write them specifically with any sort of like theme, um, underwriting it with. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure they they creep in with Donut Shop of Doom. There's. I'd say there's probably a little commentary on like consumerism and and that sort of thing. Um, but they're they're not meant to specifically have any sort of commentary. They're just meant to be fun and get kids excited for reading. Um, that's kind no, of. I, I, I agree with that. It was just interesting. Uh, not to cut you off. Sorry about that. But uh, no, just interesting because as I was reading it, it was almost like that metaphor of like you you know if you had a like were to tell your kid like if I were to tell my daughter when she grows up later on like if you see a bear a baby bear make sure you get away because mama bear or papa bear are going to be around you know oh yeah that's that's definitely good advice all around <laughs> and um and uh i know i just brought up the bones at the bottom of the lake and i felt like that message there like when i say like subliminal even though you're saying that you were writing without theme but the way i was looking at it was like you were trying to tell a message by saying basically don't disturb the dead that's that's also probably generally good advice <laughs> you know you don't want to go you don't want to go digging up any graves i don't think that's that's true but um were there any type of particular stories of like of what really grabbed your attention to kind of write these outlets well, yeah so i think with all of them i'm i'm tapping into like you know personal experiences and then taking them like one step further like oh, what if this had actually happened um for instance with the wild man of shaggy creek that's all based out, i used to live in georgia when i was little and that's kind of all based off the uh memories of my backyard because we had a house that was you know it had a little bit of you know a grassy yard and then it just turned into a forest behind that and we would go exploring in there and um i was too young to remember you know exactly where the forest led but i just remember it going for a long ways and there was a giant kutsu root because there, there's these vines that grow everywhere just like in the in the book and there's a giant root ball in the middle of the forest that you could literally like hide in it like if you wanted to you could it was almost it looked almost like a like an ewok village hut from like you know the, the ewok adventures um, and that just kind of stuck with me. So I wanted to, so whenever I'm writing, I tap into like a lot of those things, um, that I re specifically remember just cause I feel like it grounds it in reality and makes the story more like alive. Um, don't shop a doom that if, if you read the description of the town, that's literally the town that I live in. And so it's like, it's, it's like every, like there's actually a donut shop down the street and then across the street from that, there's like a whole food store. And so like, it's all, it's all kind of tapping into reality and things that I've experienced. Um, and just, you know, just trying to, I just feel like that makes it more real. Um, there's a part in, uh, in, um, bones at the bottom of the lake where, uh, the kids fall, the one of the kids falls through the pier and into the water and then there's another part where um he pushes his sister into the water and she like dives down 
when I was a little kid, we were playing out on a lake in Georgia and there was a, a dock or pier that, um, you know, ran out into the lake and there was a couple of boards missing that we were jumping over and I fell in and I was too young to swim at that point. And oh, somebody no. like, and somebody reached in and grabbed me and pulled me out. And I just remember specifically like the water, like, you know, covering my face, seeing nothing but like brown with like this weird, you know, glow above me. And I actually remember like a turtle or a frog or something swimming past me. And then somebody grabbed me and pulled me out. Um, so like, you know, just tapping into things like that makes it more visceral and real and, and just fun, I think. No, that's awesome. I actually like it when um, authors actually have something more uh, experience of uh, personal experience is what I meant to say of uh, bringing it into the book. Because, yeah, I, I agree. I was wondering, like, if any of these were kind of based off of personal experiences, like um, I have a creepy story, too, about like um, when I was little and uh, I still can't figure out what was going on that night. So as you're talking to personal experiences, I just looked at why I don't sleep on feather bed. And I'm thinking to myself, please tell me you didn't like sleep on a feather bed. And then all of a sudden had like <laughs> bumps or something that you had as a kid or something. No, no, that one, that one's made up. There's a lot of like, you know, spending the night at grandma's house that is probably in that story, um, but never slept on an actual feather bed. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a thing there. Obviously, there's a lot of imagination that just goes into it just to be because, you know, that would be creepy. Um, no, I, I thought that was really interesting, especially since you brought up not only does it like a spend the night at the grandma's house, but you also put it on a farm. <laughs> <laughs> so I always find it that when you come to horror stories, uh, farms are really creepy. So much can go <laughs> on at once. It's because they're isolated. They're in the middle of nowhere. And, and, so, uh, and they got a big cornfield or wheat field, depending on what they're trying to grow or both. Yeah, yeah. It's and that's and that's one of the the keys to any you know spooky story is making sure you can get your your main character isolated. Narration of why I don't sleep on the feather bed was that like inspired in a way by Alien? Alien? No, actually, that one. I mean, I'm sure there's some elements in there. It's probably my version of Gremlins. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I didn't even well, think of that well, one. Directly inspired by um, H.P. Lovecraft's Color Out of Space, oh, yes. the, bo the book. Um, I, I, I read that story and I was like, it was like, I love it. It's so good how it, it's so creepy without actually even telling you anything. Like, you don't really know what's going on, but it's so creepy. And, um, and I, I just, I love that the way that he, he's able to like, like a lot of a lot of um, horror relies on you know really visceral you know blood and guts and gore, which is its own thing. But H.P. Lovecraft goes the exact opposite and like doesn't describe it. He just he says there's something horrible in the room, and then he leaves it at that. And you're just like, what? Oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> what is it? And it, it was really cool. So I kind of I literally um, took that story. Um, you know, written back in the thirties um, and interpreted it for like a modern audience through the eyes of kids and, and then added some monsters into it and stuff to make it more fun. <laughs> hey, that worked for me. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I love HP Lovecraft. I feel like his craftsmanship too was just spot on just as, just as like um, 
Alfred Hitchcock was with his films and stuff like that. Like, like, like it was uh, B-rated cheesy, but in a good way. You know, <laughs> you got the blood splatter on the wall type of thing, like, and stuff like that. And it's just like, ah, oh, and then you see the, the blood, like, like somebody took a bucket and chucked the blood on the wall, you know, kind of like the good cheesy stuff. And then, um, but yeah, but with H.P. Rope crap, I almost feel like he did that. And same with like your stories is uh, the imagination. You know, they always say what your imagination run wild. So I'm assuming that kind of came into your play of writing as well. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's just kind of inherent with books versus like a movie is that it's it's all in your imagination. And so if you can describe something in a way that um, leaves it open to interpretation, it it makes it, you know, it can be whatever, whatever it is that scares you is what you imagine. And so it's, I think, I think it's more fun that way. Mm -hmm. Out of the um, four books that we have right now, Rob, is uh, which one would like the most favorite of yours to, to write? Oh man, that's a hard question. It's like picking your favorite child. Uh, so Donut Shop of Doom, I loved writing the ending on that one because the ending is so just completely out there and crazy. Um, very, also very Lovecraftian <laughs> influence there. Oh, um, but like, it's just, it's just zany and kind of fun. Yeah. I don't know. The, the, they were all different. Like I tried to make sure that the tone of each one was really different so that they, they were all their own experience. I didn't want them to kind of run together. I wanted them to be like, Oh, oh you know, what's this thing out like a little, little tiny backyard horror. What's this thing out in the woods behind my house. And then like, you know, donut shop is like, you know, crazy, uh, intergalactic, inter interdimensional monster craziness stuff, right? Okay, so as you just said that, I just thought of two uh, two things. One is I loved what you did with uh, The Wild Man of Shaggy Creek near the end, I believe, which um, I'll just say the kid got a specific text and said, uh, hey, the, the Waffle House shut down and now there's a donut shop. Yeah, that, so that's the, that was kind of the goal um, is that there's going to be 12 books total within the series, and they're all connected – it's an anthology series for sure, um, but they're all connected. They all exist in the same universe, and they have little connections and Easter eggs throughout them. Um, and that's, I mean, that's one of the big ones in in the four books that are out now is is the connection between uh, the main character and Wild Man and the main character and Donut Shop and Doom. Um, but hopefully, the the goal is that by the end of it, um, when we get to the last book. Uh, after that, we're, there's a there's a thirteenth book I have planned, which is going to be like a little bit larger scale, and that's going to have like in, it's going to integrate a bunch of the characters across the series, put them all together in kind of one big final showdown. Ooh, can't wait! And thirteen is the good number. <laughs> yep, yep, that's the the good one to end on. Um, so the, the other question that I was thinking of, as you just said that, which obviously you said it too, is Donut Shop of Doom has this Lovecraftian feel, which I definitely saw as soon as you read what the name of the, um, owner is, which is Howard, uh, Howard Lovecraft, or no, yeah. <laughs> Howard Love it, Howard Love it. Howard Love it. So would that supposed to be like a mon like a like a love letter to Howard Lovecraft? Oh, abs absolutely, absolutely. 
<laughs> I, I just enjoyed that so much. I was like, ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> but uh, no, I felt like um, out of the four books, because I have them all obviously and read them all before doing this. So my brain is like trying to stuff all that information. But anyway, out of the four books that I read, um, my top favorite has to be The Bones at the Bottom of the Lake, just because of it being the ghost story. You know, yeah, it's, it's definitely the spookiest, I would say, of them. Like, it's it's the one that would actually, you know, like, really creep kids out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's why I say don't disturb the dead. Because, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just always fun. So you just said uh, it's going to be like a 12-book series, which is almost like a season one of a TV show, if you're lucky to even get 12 episodes anymore. Because normally it's like six episodes, and then we'll just see what <laughs> happens, right? And... <laughs> And then the fact that we're going to be possibly getting like a bonus one, which is really nice. And I didn't even know that. Um, speaking of which, I just want to throw this question out there because I'm curious. As, so in the books, and I'm, unfortunately for listeners, you're not going to be able to see what I'm about to do. But I don't even know if they're going to see it. I'm like trying to show them. So in this book, on each book, it actually says... Uh, look for more Frightland books, and it's almost like some of them say available now. And one of the titles is number five, Once Upon a Slime. So can I ask you what is going on with that? Uh, that is the next book that's going to be written. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so it, exists, it exists right now in outline form, um, as well as the first chapter, um, which, I mean, obviously, because that's included as a little teaser there. Um, that one is going to be a elementary school adventure that will take you into the the uh, the character without giving too much away. Um, it's going to yeah, take we don't. <laughs> it's going to take the characters into a uh, spooky dark place that everybody everybody who ever goes to school always talks about the uh, the tunnels or the basement or whatever oh, yeah. it is that, that there's that room that's like really creepy that you don't go down there because that's where the janitor's at and whatever. And it's going to take the kids into into that realm, so oh, no. it should be it should be kind of fun. It definitely sounds it. I was just curious though because like almost every book, even in the back, Rob. Just um, like I said, I don't know if you're going to see it, but even right here where the form is, where where I like this. It's like the old school style books for uh, people listening. Basically, like if you know Goosebumps, we're back in the book where you actually had like an order form where you can actually just like tear the page out or cut it out and stuff and fill it out to go uh, purchase a book. It actually had that same feel of like the old uh, nice kid books, which you don't really see much anymore. So I pre I applaud that one, Rob. Anyways, I don't know if that was uh, your that publisher. Was sure. <laughs> I just had a feeling. Anyway, but yeah, it was just it was just odd because I just saw that like it was it was just saying like you can basically order it. So I was just kind of cu uh, curious because I kept yeah. searching for it. Blade and advertising to get people excited for the next one. <laughs> hey, whatever. I, to be fair, I actually haven't even read the bonus, uh, the bonus content of uh, Once Upon a Slime. So I haven't even read that. that oh, one you day. should. It's, it's the first one that's in third person. The other Ooh. four have been in first person, but this one needed to be in third person with the way that the, uh, the, creature works so for those uh listening rob can you tell us the difference between writing in third person versus first person uh yeah so first person is like where you say 
you know, I, I walked into the room and turned on the lights. It's, it's happening to you. Like, it's like you're the main character. Um, and so it's fun to write that way because it's really, it's really in the moment and it, it makes you feel like you're there. Um, and third person is where you say, Scott walked into the room and he turned on the light. So it's like you're watching a movie, like you're, you're watching it happen to the person. Um, and third person is really useful. I, th I think most books are probably written in third person, um, but third person is useful because then you can move around away from the main character. So you can, instead of having to stay with the main character in their head the entire time, you can, you know, you can just move into the next room and see the monster that's waiting there in the room. And so it's, it's a good way to build suspense and gives you a little bit more maneuverability within the story. So you can look at different people and that sort of thing. Oh yeah, I completely agree. And I'm trying to think of a good example right now, but I can't like nothing really pop into my head of like third person because it's just, it's one of those things where, um, well, I'm trying to think, Oh, I know. Uh, Stephen King, the stand, you know, that's in third person. Oh yeah, I think I think most does. I don't even know. Does Stephen King ever write in first person? I don't think he does. I think he does third person. I think maybe his short stories. I think there might be one of his. No, short that would makes that would make sense. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. No, Otherwise, I, I know everything is third person for sure. Yeah, but, that's um, that's the most common way to write because it's again, it's fun because you can, you can bounce go to any part of the story. Yeah. yeah, bounce back and forth between this person, that person, so that way it draws more of uh, like what other characters are in the uh, in the universe of that you're talking right now. Yeah, and I and don't get me wrong, I love those type of books too. But sometimes, like it is really hard, um, depending on the writer. And I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying in general is like like you start reading the book. And then you get that third person aspect and then it goes to this person and that person. Then it tries to go back to the first person. And then you're like, wait, who am I, who am I supposed to be reading? again?" Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's definitely a challenge, especially with like epic fantasy and that type of thing. Oh, yeah. you, like, you know, 50 different characters you're following. It's really easy to get confused, but you know, that's, I mean, that's all, you know, that's the, that's a cross between the writer, just making sure that they're being really clear with who you're following. And then also, you know, paying attention as a reader. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like audiobooks. And speaking of audiobooks, you actually so far have one audiobook uh, narrated by BJ. His last name is uh, escaping me right now. Wimpy. And, thank you. And uh, he actually narrated The Wild Man of Shaggy Creek. I reached out to him. All right, everybody. So we just took a pause on R.H. Grimley's interview because I have another special guest to come talk to you about The Wild Man of Shaggy Creek, the audiobook from R.H. Grimley. And here is the narrator, B.J. Wimpy. B.J., welcome. And it was, it's a pleasure to talk to you about this. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's really great to be here. Well, I appreciate your time and uh, your message, and I will have to apologize right now because I feel so bad with the way I message you on your Instagram because, let's just be honest for a minute, right? When I was searching for you after I figured out, like, your name um, of the uh, you being the narrator for The Wild Man of Shaggy Creek, um, as I was looking through your Instagram profile, I was like, is this really the guy? Because all I could find was Star Wars. So I'm like, 
oh man I'm like, I, and then i feel rude of the way i like method you which is basically like hey are you the guy that did the narrator were you the narrator for this audiobook and you, and i'm just like oh man i really hope like i just did not sound like an idiot no not at all it was i thought you actually i thought your message was very like professional you know it's like hi like i was just curious if you're the narrator for this audiobook series and you know like it was it was very fine and i could see how you'd be confused because the majority of my instagram and like my tiktok and everything is me dressed up like Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars and doing impressions and funny videos. So I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was, and then like, I know how RH and the uh, publishing company don't have an Instagram. So it's like, I couldn't see that they were following you. So it's like, oh, uh -huh. well, this doesn't help me either. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily I have a pretty unique name. So yes, it's do. normally pretty easy to find me. <sighs> oh, oh man. But anyway, BJ is so. Give it the rundown. So, how did you become the narrator for R.H. Grimley's um, "The Wild Man of Shaggy Creek"? Uh, so, it's actually a, a, a very fun story for me. Um, I love uh, Kickstarter campaigns. Like, I, I like love supporting you know young up and coming artists and and authors and writers and and all sorts of different things on Kickstarter. And I got an email from Kickstarter that's like, "What's new this week?" And one of them was this series called Frightlands. And, you know, I clicked on it. I'm like, oh, because, you know, I, I get talked about how it's like in the vein of goosebumps and scary, scary stories to tell them in the dark, you know, that I grew up reading. And I thought, oh, that could be an interesting project. So I clicked on it and like I read through it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. And I noticed that, um, that they were like the publishing company is out of Utah, which is where I'm, I'm located. And that the author is a local author as well. And so, you know, I've, I've been an audiobook narrator for a while, and I just thought, you know what? Like, it'd be really cool to get on a project with locals, because most of the books I've done have been from people I've never met, or I've never, you know, the, or live across the world or across the country. And so I just, I looked up uh, the publishing company, which is Bard Press. I just found their email address, and I just called, like, basically, like what you did to me on Instagram. I'm just like, hey, I saw your Kickstarter. It seems really interesting. Uh, we're both, you know, we're all Utah locals, which is great. And I, if you're looking to turn this series into an audiobook series, I would love to be part of that. I'd love to have the chance to audition. Like, thank you so much for your time. I hope your Kickstarter goes well. And then not, not long after that, they reached back out to me. And like, we hadn't even thought of doing an audiobook series for this. Um, like, would you be willing to audition or like show us a sample of your audio work? And, and it just all started from there. And Lucky enough, they liked what I did, and um, I was able to talk to the publishing company and to R.H. Uh, Grimley himself, and yeah, get, get working on the audiobook. It was a lot of fun. What's the most memorable part of working on the audiobook? Of this audiobook? So yeah. um, how the process goes, normally like I, like, I read through the book um first completely through so that i have an idea of what the story sounds like so when i'm narrating if i need to like foreshadow something or give a little more you know uh emphasis on something early in the book because of something that happens later i can do that but honestly my favorite part was just reading that book again like a book like of this style that was like i said in the style of goosebumps or scary stories to tell in the dark because it it was so nostalgic for me the Goosebumps books were some of the very first books I ever read as a child, like completely through all by myself. 
and like sitting and like reading this this book i had like a lot of those nostalgic feelings it, it like the style is great and and it, it brought me back to you know sitting under my covers at night with my flashlight when i should have already been in bed but i couldn't stop reading because like i was so feeling so tense about this scary story and so that was probably my favorite part honestly just the feeling of nostalgia that i felt while reading it and that's completely fair. I mean, I love that answer because that's exactly sort of like what happened with me. And to touch on like what you were saying at the beginning is Kickstarter also sent me a uh, an email <laughs> and they were just like, you might be interested in this. And I'm like, Frightland, what is this? So I like click on it and see the artwork. And I'm like, God, this looks so familiar, like in a weird, good way. And then I see that like, Tim um, Jacobus was uh, the cover for the Wild Man of Shaggy Creek, and I'm like, all right, I'm sold. <laughs> right, you know? same. Like that was one of the big selling points for me too. And um, and it's just, it's I don't know. It's just, it's I've read four, like the first four books. Um, obviously, the campaign or the uh, the book itself is lying that the fifth book is out when it's not. But anyway, <laughs> that's so fun. But yeah, I completely agree, man. Like, it just reminds me of so much of the old stories that I used to, you know, read it before, like, scary stories to tell in the dark got banned from schools or whatever. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, it's just like, okay, well, um, it's a fun experience to not just have again as an adult, but now um, with me being a father of a, 20 month year old daughter uh at the time of this recording you know i as she grows up she can appreciate the the good books as i call it exactly yeah all right i i i'm not a father myself but i have several nieces and nephews that are like at the perfect age for these books you know like and, the, the late late yeah. elementary school and i so actually i funded you know the kickstarter campaign and i bought extra copies just specifically so i could give them to my nieces and nephews that's amazing. And those are and those are the best ways to get memories going, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Well, so I guess um to kind of touch down on to closing this out for the segment wise is what was one of the hardest parts when recording the Wild Man of Shaggy Creek? Um one of the hardest parts, uh Mr. Grimley, he had a very specific idea of what he wanted everything to sound like. Um, so I have a, you know, like I have my normal audiobook narration style, which I do, but he, he thought it was a little too expressive, I guess. And that's not a bad thing by any means, uh, but he wanted to sound more realistic and like I was sitting around a campfire telling this, this scary story. Um, and so he asked me to, you know, like tone down my voices a little bit and tone down the, the overall expression and excitement that I normally uh, record my audiobooks in so that it would sound a little more like I was sitting around and being slightly more intimate around a campfire telling this story. And it was, it was hard for me to break the mold that I've done. Uh, like uh, Wild Man of Shaggy Creek was my 15th audiobook. And so, you know, I, I definitely have a style that I've been doing for, you know, 14 other books. And so to, to break that mold and to do something a slightly different was, was hard for me, but in hearing the finished audiobook, I really like it. And, and going forward, it might be something I try to bring into some of my other audiobooks. And so I'm actually, I'm really grateful to Mr. Grimley 
uh, for you know giving me that direction and and knowing what he wanted. That's always great with an author when they know what they want and and that they're able to express to you what they want. Because I've had other authors who've been like, I want it to sound broader. And I'm like, great, what does having it sound broader mean? And they can't explain it to me. And I'm like, well, that, that does me no good. But Mr. Grimley was very good about how he explained what he wanted it to sound like and, and expressed to me. And we were able to have several phone conversations about it. And like, like I re-recorded the first chapter a few times before we landed on something that we were both very pleased with. And so that was hard for me, but in the end, I think it really helps the quality of the sound and the atmosphere that uh, Mr. Grimley wanted the, the audiobook to create. And that's fair enough. And uh, I will say one thing that Mr. Grimley has mentioned in the, uh, of, I think the next part of this is that he just loved the way of the sound that you gave the um, the creature, I'm gonna say. So, so <laughs> I applaud you for that. That was that was great when I was uh, listening to the audio book because at the time when I was talking to RH for this episode, I haven't gotten around to the audio book, and then I uh, listened to it right before you and I talked, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is what he's talking about. This is amazing." Well, and that 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 sounds too like I because. If you've looked at the book, like it's written out, and I, I remember getting to that point and going, okay, what, what do we want this to sound like? Do we want it, like, do, we, do I want it to make it sound like, a, like an animal, like a creature? Or do, do, does he want it to sound like a human telling the story, trying to mimic that sound? And so that's more what I went with, is not actually sounding like a creature, but sounding like a human trying to imitate what a creature would sound like. And and I think, yeah, again, like, I think it landed really well. And I love that Mr. Grimley enjoyed what I decided to do. Oh, definitely. It, it, I felt like it actually fit it just because of uh, what the idea of this is. So I think you hit it really well. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. No problem. Now, to just for the final question there, BJ, is... Um, did the publishing company ever talk to you about doing any of the other books that, of the first run? Uh, yes, they have. Um, in our initial uh, discussion of doing Frightland, The Wild Man of Shaggy Creek, they had, we had discussed doing at least the first four books that were included in the Kickstarter. And I said, if they want to, I would love to continue on and do the other four books. I mean, the other three books. I haven't read them yet. Um, and we haven't signed any contracts or anything, no official agreement, but we have discussed it. It is in the works. And I personally really, really hope that I get to because I had such a great time doing the first book. And I, I look forward to and really hope I get to do the other three. And there you go, everybody. And BJ, it was a pleasure to talk to you, Bill, about the uh, Frightland narration book. And I can't wait. And hopefully you do get the role for the next three books because I'd love to you know, continue the series with, you know, somebody I'm familiar with and plus I have had the honor to uh, talk to you. So I appreciate your uh, few minutes of talking about the uh, Frightland experience. Thank you very much. And if you guys haven't, go ahead and go out there and either read or listen to Frightland, The Wild Man of Shaggy Creek. I hope that you feel as nostalgic and happy and afraid, as scared is what I was going to say, as scared. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go out and feel just as scared and excited as I was reading it for the first time.
Yeah, and it's 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 such a good, nice, good old fashioned campfire story in in a way. So agreed. So for everybody else listening, uh, here's the continuation of R.H. Grimwee's interview with myself. So hopefully, um, as this this interview gets posted up, hopefully I'll have his segment in to help. Uh, also have him talk about the time uh, narrating your book, which it sounds like from what I re- uh, was listening to the sample that you guys have, like a five-minute sample, he did pretty well from what I could tell. Oh, yeah, BG did awesome. I, I, was, really, I was really happy with it. Um, with kids' books narration, there's – I listen to a lot. I have four kids, and we listen to a lot of, you know, books on audio books. I was going to say books on tape, but that's how it used to be. It's not like that anymore. <laughs> so lots they're of them. Making a comeback, though. Tapes are making a comeback. <laughs> I hope so. Um, no, they are. They are. So, yes, yeah, so we listen to a lot of audiobooks, and uh, some of the narrators are amazing, and some of them are really obnoxious. And, like They, they like, just make it super cheesy, and it's hard to listen to. So BJ was really good. He was just kind of straightforward. He did it. He did voices, but they weren't too crazy. Like I, I, I really enjoyed his narration of it. Yeah, I'll have to pick it up and uh, listen to it for sure because he he did a great job, and I just want to hear like what it's like to hear the full um, two hours and eight minutes. I want to say of that book. So um, I guess my question too is like, is there any plan to try to get the other three books into the audio book format? Um, not that I know of, at least not right now. My guess is when they release the next four books, they'll probably do another one from one, one of those titles in audiobook format there. Uh, the publisher hasn't done a whole lot of audiobooks, so they're kind of just experimenting with it right now and seeing kind of what that space is, uh, if it's worth it for them or not. Um, but I would hope so. I mean, I, I enjoy listening to them. I think it's fun to hear somebody else bring it to life because like, even for me as the writer, I've got, you know, I've got a certain narrator in my head and then you hear somebody else and their interpretation. It's really fun. Like when, when BJ does the, uh, the wild men's call that, that you hear in the woods at night, oh, the way he does it is totally different than the way I imagined it. So I was like, Whoa, that's kind of different and creepy. <laughs> so it's fun. Oh man, I wish that was in the sample now. <laughs> now that you say that, I'm kind of curious about how he sounds. Um, no, that's just interesting because um, as an experimental taste, I really hope that the uh, audio books do good, so you can actually bring maybe all 13 books into the uh, audio book franchise of uh, making it more uh, making it more alive. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Definitely fun to listen to it. So hopefully we'll see what happens. Would you narrate would you would you narrate your own books? Oh no. No. <laughs> no. Heavens no. I can't stand to listen to my own voice. Um <laughs> no, I so it was fun. I got to a uh, couple weeks ago, I guess two weeks ago, I gotta go read to elementary school. They had the the third, fourth, and fifth graders come in and we gotta listen, you know, I gotta share with them the couple chapters from the books and it was super fun but that's different than actually recording the whole thing and then having to listen to myself (laughs) 
Hey, it it works. I mean, that's always fun too. The response of the kids must be like really exciting to see their reactions and stuff. Yeah, it's 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 always fun to uh, you know you, you have a whole group of kids come in, and there's some that are like you know super into reading, and there's some that are like I hate reading, and you know, and and, there, and there's some that are like I'm I'm too cool for this. This is gonna be dumb. And then about the time you get to the second chapter, they're all just like sitting there with their mouths open listening, like. <laughs> you know, they're super into the story at that point so it's uh, a little, it makes me feel good to know that i've at least accomplished my goal of of trying to make it interesting for kids speaking of kids in like uh school school group and stuff like this is this like how or have you like taken a book before it's been out to kind of test the, the students of how they would react uh, not with students but i let my i let my son read all the books when the rough drafts finished um, he was, let's see, he's, uh, 10 now. And, uh, so he's right in the perfect age group and he loves to read. Um, so he'll sit down and just read the whole thing and then give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. <laughs> and, so, and I trust his opinion cause he's really, he's really honest about it. So. Uh, that's pretty good for 10 years old. So, I mean, and he would, uh, he should know already like what he likes, what he doesn't like to read anyway, or what doesn't work well in a story i'm assuming yeah your kid would be the perfect like test subject as, as i may say rob i don't want to take up any more of your time too but like you guys have a fan club too which is nice um can you give us a little bit more details of what this fan club is supposed to be involved I yes we have, have the uh the frightland fan club which is basically um it was through the kickstarter and when they do the next kickstarter there'll be another opportunity to to join it as well um, but basically, it's uh, you get you get a little bit of swag, and you get a bi-monthly. Uh, I don't want to say newsletter because that sounds boring, but you get a little like little mini magazine, a digital magazine that has interviews and activities and some short stories that I wrote and things like that. Just like little extra R.H. Grimley throughout the year, some little creepy stuff for um, to keep you held over till we get the next books out. So. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I guess my final, my, my second to final question is like, so is, is there any chance that you can give us any more tasty teasers of other book titles coming out or have you not even gotten that far? Oh, we, uh, yeah, we have all the titles. Um, let's see. I'm not sure which order they're going to be released in, but you know, obviously we'll have once upon a slime. And then I think, this is subject to change. <laughs> I think one of the next ones will be the Owls in the Woods, which is a UFO one. And then Ice Cream You Scream, which is about oh, okay. uh, which is uh, about a uh, a mysterious ice cream truck driver who drives around the neighborhood. Um, which Spoiler alert, may or may not be the return of one of our past monsters. Um, oh, oh, okay. So, Rob, uh, thank you again for your time. And um, I appreciate it. Uh, sort of like a little short notice in a way. You're more than welcome to come back on in the near future when more, when more of your books come back. I would love to pick your brain again if you're willing. And, um, absolutely, absolutely. 
I guess for everybody else listening is uh, how can people stay up to date and where can we find your Frightland series? Uh, the Frightland's available um, on Amazon and other uh, digital booksellers, but you can get your paper copies on Amazon. And uh, you can also go to frightlandbooks.com and you'll be able to find information there. All right. Well, Rob, thank you so much for your time. And uh, for everybody listening, thank you for listening through this interview. And I hope you guys enjoyed R.H. Grimley just as much as I did talking because uh, it's always good to find new um, children authors that want to put the scares into your children to terrify them, to want to pull covers over them with a flashlight and read the book. Because that's what they do when you close the door saying goodnight afterwards. Because they want to stay <laughs> up and read. Alright, Rob. Uh, thank you again. And for everybody else, stay scary, everybody. Bye.